Well, good morning. How are we doing? We doing well? Well, good. Uh, good morning. Glad you're here. My name's Pastor Josh. Thanks so much for all the birthday wishes, by the way. I feel loved. No better place I'd rather be on my birthday than right here in the OSC family house. So thanks so much for being here. Uh, we are in a series called From This Day Forward. How have you been enjoying this series so far? I hope you have. I hope it's been beneficial for you and for uh, your marriage if you're married, and, and then also beneficial for you if you are single in here. We want to we be a blessing to both of you and help equip you and give you tools either way. Uh, today's going to be a lot of fun, by the way. I hope you are ready to laugh and have fun. The title of today's message is called Have Fun. And so uh, how many know you can have fun in church? Did you know that? I don't know. I don't know how church, you know, fun and church usually are not two words that usually go hand in hand. Um, boring, that can usually be one that goes with church or uh, get me out of here. That could be another one that goes with church. Um, but I believe that Jesus loved having fun. I believe the Bible is full of fun and I believe God wants us to have fun in our relationships. And so we're going to be talking about having fun. Um, but before we do that, I want us just to recap real quick what we've done kind of over the past two weeks and then really what the next two weeks are going to be about. Um, and so if you got some notes, wave them at me just real quick so I can see them. Yeah. All right. When I get my preach on, let's go. Okay. So remember, I am a holla back preacher. The more you holla back, the faster I preach and the better I preach. Okay. Amen. Okay. And so, uh, so you're going to take some notes with me and uh, I'll, I'll give you the blanks. In a minute. So here's the four commitments that we're making over the next four weeks, over these four weeks. The first two that we did, the first one, let's see if anybody remembers. The first week we made a commitment to seek God. Seek God. We are going to seek God. We talked about uh, the importance of us seeking God uh, with our one, uh, with our two. Uh, also, we talked about seeking the one as we believe for our two. Uh, we talked about the importance of praying together, seeking God together. I'm going to just tell you right now, if you did not hear that message, you got to hear that one first. And so today's message and yes, last week's message um, are really hard to apply if you don't do the first one. And so we want to seek God. The second week, last week was fight fair. This idea of us fighting fair. I had um, my beautiful bride with me and we shared some stories of just of, on how we've learned to fight in our relationships, the, uh, the right ways and the wrong ways. And I hope that was encouraging to you as well on how to fight in your relationship. You're going to fight. Fighting is inevitable, but you can either fight dirty or you can fight fair. And so we talked a little bit about how do we fight fair. This week, today, we're talking about have, come on, have Okay. All right. Just got to give a little umph to that. Okay. We're going to have fun. So we'll get into that one in just a minute. And then next week, Pastor Bubba is actually going to come next week and wrap all this whole series up with this idea of staying pure, staying pure. So we're going to talk about how do we live pure in an impure world? And how do, we, how do we go about, whether you're single or married, how do we stay pure? Because God desires for us to be pure in our relationships. How do we go about doing that? So today we're talking about having fun. You know, it's amazing how our relationships, especially the dating and married relationships, can begin with a lot of fun. I've never heard anybody that fell into love or got into love with somebody and was like, yeah, we just don't have any fun. You know, I mean, everything begins with fun usually and romance. And there's just a lot of that that's there. And it is amazing how we can start out that way. And then years down the line, the only time we want to talk to that other person is through an attorney. How do we get there? How do we go from, man, this person is amazing. We have so much fun. It's awesome. And then years down the road going, I don't even want to talk to that person. And we got to talk through somebody else to talk to them. 
How do we go from something that's so passionate to something that has no life? How do we go from something that promises to give us so much enjoyment to something that gives us so much misery? We, we've all experienced that. How many of you know in relationships, you experience the greatest things in relationships? How many of you know, you've, when you look at your life and the greatest experiences that you've had in your life, all those came out of relationships. Maybe a birth of a baby or a wedding or some big moment in your life. But how many of you know also on the flip side, the greatest pain you've probably ever experienced was also relationships. Anybody had that before too? And so we know that in relationships, we can see great, great highs and we can see great, great lows. Um, but today we're talking about this idea of having fun. Now, before we can talk about how to have fun in our marriages, how to have fun in our relationships, we need to lay some groundwork. We need to lay the foundation of what I believe fun comes out of. And that comes from us having life-giving relationships. We need to be in life-giving relationships. Uh, you and I have to uh, be surrounded and have relationships in our life that are life-giving. And so I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's right there in your notes. Um, if you want to flip there in your Bible as well, you can. But Deuteronomy chapter 30 is where we're going to be. And this is what it says. It says, this day, this is God speaking, I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you. Now, what's those two things? Life and, let's say it aloud, life and, so I've set before you life and death. What's the next two? Blessings and, and curses. Now watch this. Now this is huge. I want you to underline this, circle this. I want you to, want you to really accentuate this. Now choose life. You and I get an opportunity every day to make a choice. God's saying it's not circumstance. It's not happenstance. You choose it. The life that you and I live, we get to choose it. You choose it and I choose it. And God's saying you got two options here. You can choose life or you can choose death. You can choose blessing or you can choose curses. Now watch what it says. Now this is why God presents us with the choice. Now watch. Now choose life so that you and your what? And your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. This is what he's saying. The choices that you make won't just affect you. They affect also your children and your children's children. How many of you know that? How many of you have seen that play out? The good decisions you made and the bad ones. But they don't just affect you. They, they affect your spouse. They affect your children. They affect everybody. And so today God is giving us an opportunity to choose life. So I want to share with you three things real quick before we jump into this idea of, of how to have fun. And I want you to write these down with me. First one is this life giving relationships look to God as the source of their life. Life giving relationships look to God as the source of their life. What it's, what, it, what this is meaning is I think in our day and age, we put way too much pressure on people to give us something that only God can give us. Too often time we put pressure on a spouse, on a guy, on a girl, on a relationship to give us something that was never designed to be given to us by them, but only by God. And so life-giving relationships look to God as the source of their relationship. You know, people ask me, does Lindsay make you happy? Here's my answer. No. Now you say, well, really? Okay. How's your marriage going? <laughs> She doesn't make me happy because I was already happy before her. She makes me happier, but she doesn't make me happy. I went into the marriage already happy. 
So I didn't go into the marriage because I needed to be happy. I went into the marriage already happy. And so that's the thing for us. If we don't, if we're not careful, we can go into relationships trying to get happiness from them when you should get that from God because they'll never be able to give it to you because we're going to want something from somebody that God has never designed them to give it to us. Y'all with me? And so in life-giving relationships, look to God as the source of their life, meaning I'm not going to put pressure on Lindsay to be something that God never called her to be to me. I'm going to find my happiness and my completing in God. God completes me, not my wife. Don't listen to Jerry Maguire. He's lying to you, okay? And people think, like, if I, you know, I'm, I'm a half a person and I need to find that other half. And when I find that other half, we're complete. No, no, no. How about you be complete and they be complete and you get together, all right? Let's be complete people. Let's not be half people. And so we got to look to God as the source. Here's the second one. Life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. When two servants are in love. Now, I, I, I highlight this word servants because this is so key. And I'm going to tell you, you, you need to really listen to that for the rest of this message. This idea of us being servants who are in love. The greatest marriages are two servants that are in love for one another. No, Lindsay and I are really opposites. So we do this thing in step three in our next step class called the DISC profile. We do a personality profile. And uh, many of you have taken it. Some of you haven't taken it. And we, we go and see all the different types of personality. And you can take this assessment and find out what your personality is. And it's a D-I-S-C. Well, I am a D-I. That is my personality. Lindsay is an S-C. I mean, we, we spell disc. I mean, that's how, we are the complete opposite in that regard. So I am a, I'm a lion leader and, and then she's one that gets things done. And so that's just how we are. We're, we're different. If you've ever read the book, um, the five love languages, which is Gary Chapman's book, uh, the five love languages. Anybody know what that book is? And they, they talk about in, in his book, he talks about you give love and you receive love in different ways. There's five different ways in which you can give love and receive love. There's, there's, uh, acts of service. There's time, quality time. There's gifts. There's words of affirmation and there's touch. And those are the five. And, and what it says is usually the way that you, you receive love is the way that you give love. And so for Lindsay, you know, her, one of her love languages is words of affirmation. She absolutely loves words of affirmation. Mine is touch. And so she wants to have a conversation and I just want to touch her. So that's, that's how that works. And so <laughs> she's like, let's just talk. And I'm like, let's just touch. And I'm like, let's just... Let's just go with this. So the, the reason I bring that up, though, is because if, if we are two servants in love, means I come home. When I come, listen, in my day, you know, I, I meet with so many people throughout the week. I'm doing premarital counseling. I'm doing a lot since this series is going on. Doing a lot of premarital counseling, doing a lot of marital counseling, doing a lot of individual discipleship with guys. And so all day I've literally been hearing people's problems and talking to people, hearing people's problems and talking to people. So I come home and guess what the last thing I want to do is, Hey, let's have a conversation. I'm like, I don't even care. I just want to go lay down. Like my head's hurt. But because I am a servant and she is a servant, then I come home and say, Hey babe, how was your day? And she's like, <laughs> because all day she's been saying, no, stop that. Quit that. Get off your brother. Don't punch that. Hit that. Well, okay. So that's been all day. So finally I walk home and she's like, an adult. <laughs> it's usually you're home. See ya. I'm gone. And so, uh, and so, but she loves to have conversation. And so for me to serve her means that I've got to sacrifice what I want or what I don't want 
to serve her. And the same way is with her. So I come home and go, hey, what's going on? And, she, and, and so it, it goes both ways. She's got to learn to serve me. I've got to learn to serve her. And the cool thing is we're, now we're trying to outdo one another in serving. So I'm like, hey, let's just have a conversation. How are you doing? She's like, no, just touch me. And I'm like, no, she doesn't say that. Okay. <laughs> She's never said that. Well, she had. No, okay. Anyways, it is my birthday though. So <laughs> maybe pray for me. Okay. Number three, life-giving relationships make the choice every day. Life-giving relationships make the choice every day. Now, this is key. Now, listen to me. I hear people say this all the time. I hear them say it all the time. Oh, you know, we just fell out of love. I can hear people talking about like falling in love and falling out of love like it's a ditch. (laughs) Falling in love is not a ditch, okay? You don't fall in it. You don't fall out of it. Listen to me. Falling and you don't fall in love. Love is a choice. It's a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love's not a ditch. It's a choice. And you make it every single day. And this, this life-giving relationships is this idea that we make a choice every single day. In order for your marriage to work, you're going to have to work at your marriage. For some of you, you need to hear that. In order for your marriage to work, you're going to have to work at your marriage. It doesn't just come naturally. It's like building a fire. You've ever built a fire? You build it, you light it, and it's awesome for like 15 minutes. And then it dies. And then guess what you got to do? You got to go out and get more wood. You got to come back in. You got to put it, and you got to keep, keep putting logs on the fire. And we think that just because we just put a couple logs on the fire that it's going to like burn for eternity. But it's not. The romance doesn't stay. You got to work at it. Fire, a fireplace is sexy for about 15 minutes until somebody's got to actually go do some work to actually keep it going. They're like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And that's how people treat relationships. They love the infatuation and the romance side of it. There's actually statistics that say the infatuation stage of a relationship can last. The longest it can last is usually eight years. Meaning that after eight years, all that infatuation, like, oh, so nice. Like, that's gone. And now it's like, who are you? And so... There's the fighting the fair the last week that we talk about. And so don't, we can't buy into the infatuation thing. We've got to choose every day to make a choice. And guess what that choice is? To do number two, to serve. That's the choice that you and I have to make every single day. Okay, now I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And you can look at there in your notes. And I want us to talk about how do we have fun? How do we have fun in relationships? I think any marriage that doesn't have fun is assumed to not be a marriage anymore. If you, if you don't have fun, it's only a matter of time before that marriage goes down. Or that relationship goes down. Not even married. If you're a couple in here or you're dating or engaged, I mean, you're probably already having fun. But I'm telling you, if, if, if fun leaves, the marriage will soon die. So I think fun's got to be a, a, a vital part of what we do. In Ecclesiastes 9, this is God speaking. This is what he says. Look at what it, look at me. It says, live, what's that word? What is it? Happily. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your what? Guess what, guys? You got a reward. She is your reward for all of your earthly toil. You know, I grew up in church really thinking that God just didn't want me to be happy. I knew that God wanted me to be holy because, I mean, we all understand that. Like, God wants us to be holy and more like Jesus and all that. But I never really heard anybody preaching about how God wants me to be happy. But I think, I honestly think God wants you to be happy and holy. 
I don't think we got to sacrifice both of them. I don't think we got to be happy and we can't be holy. And I don't think we got to be holy and we can't be happy. I think you can be happy and holy. Can I get an amen on that one? I think God wants us to be both of those. And this verse tells you to live happily with the wife of your youth. Live happily with her. I mean, when it came to, especially the sex talk, when it came to church, when I grew up, I mean, all, all I heard in my church was, no, don't do that, stop that, quit that, don't do that, okay? That was the sex talk in, in my church where, where I grew up. I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't believe in premarital sex because they thought it would lead to dancing. You'll get that in a minute, okay? They didn't, okay. So dancing was a big thing. Like, you couldn't dance in our church. I mean, they didn't want you to be dancing and stuff. I mean, that was a big deal. And so they believed that you couldn't really dance because you know where dancing leads to. You know, you got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, and so that's, that was the church that I grew up in. That was the kind of the place that I grew up in where it was, sex was just kind of this thing. Don't, don't do it. Get it. Stay away from it. It was, it was deemed as, as just bad. But the great thing is, is that it's not. And, and we'll talk about that in just a minute because I believe that God wants you to have fun. So there's three areas in our life that I think God wants us to have fun in. And I want you to, uh, to write these down. You and I are a triune being, meaning that we are made up of three parts. We have our body, which you can see and feel. We have our soul, which is our emotions, our mind, our thoughts. And then we have, anybody know what the third one is? Your spirit. You have your spirit. And, and, and so animals have a soul and they have a body. They don't have a spirit, but you and I have a spirit. And so we're made up of these three. And I believe if we're going to have fun in our relationships, we need to have fun in all three of these areas, in our body, in our mind and soul, and then also in our spirit. So I want to show you today how we can have fun in all three of those. So first one, this, write this one down. The first one is how do we have fun emotionally? Emotionally. You know, the greatest way to build someone and the greatest way to destroy someone is with your words. How many of you have seen that to be true? The greatest way to build somebody up is with your words. The greatest way to destroy someone is with your words. You and I have, I want you to think of like a gas tank on your car. And you and I have an emotional tank that we have. And much like a gas tank that needs to be refilled and can run out, you and I have an emotional tank that needs to be filled and be ran out. And our emotional tank is filled and drained by words. By words. The words that come out of our mouth either fill up our emotional tank or they drain out our emotional tank. And today, think about this. You and I came to church. I want you to see how this works. You and I came here to church. We sang words. We hear words. We're reading words. And guess what it's doing? It's refilling your emotional tank. You're walking in here and the prayer is that you come in here and you hear these words, see these words, sing these words, and then you walk out and your emotional tank is on high. You got hope, you got faith, you got love, you got joy. Come on, how many want that today? And all of that happens with words. Words are what fills up our tank. Now, when that applies to relationships, though, we're very different when it comes to the genders, to, to males and to females. So I want you to write this down. The way that we fill the female, the woman's emotional tank, women need face-to-face. They need face-to-face. All right? 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9, it says this. Finally, all of you, watch this. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay 
evil with evil or what's the next word? Insult with insult, but with blessing. Okay, those are big. Because, now watch this, because to this, you were what? What is it? You were called, now watch this, so that you may inherit a blessing. So this is what this is saying when we're talking about this idea of face-to-face with women. The emotional tank of women gets recharged by face-to-face conversation, by blessing. This verse actually says you and I are called by God to be a blesser, not an insulter, but a blesser. How many of you know that is, the, that is the exact opposite of our culture? Our culture is an insulter. But God says, no, you're going to be a blesser. And not only are you going to do it, you're called to it, meaning I've equipped you to do that. And so we've got to be careful what comes out of our mouth in regards to the closest relationships in our life. I, I'll, I'll say this, and this is just... For everybody across the board, because I've seen it play out so many times, and I just, I want to warn you, and I want to admonish you and encourage you in this. Be very mindful of what you say about your spouse, okay? And I'm going to tell you where the greatest place you need to be very mindful of is on Facebook. Never you, listen, I love you. So what I'm about to say is because I love you. Never, ever use Facebook to insult your husband, Or your wife. Because all you're trying to do is gain sympathy and gain people on your side. And all that does is drives a wedge even further in your marriage. And listen, and it plays out. And listen, maybe you've done it. But I'm telling you, that's got to stop. If you want your marriage to have fun, if you want your marriage to have life, you cannot do that. All that does. And this this verse says, you are called to be a blessing So this is what I tell to husbands and wives all the time. You know what? If there's something in your spouse you don't like, instead of insulting it, why don't you bless it and call them to be what you want them to be? So when they're not doing what they need to be doing, you go, you know what? You're a man of God. And you love your children and you love me. And you're going to serve this family. And he's like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. And you're going to be a great dad. We're going to go to church. We're going to love Jesus together. And he's like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And, like, and you just keep speaking it and you just keep blessing. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, there's power in your words when you speak blessing over people than life and, and, and then life and just death. Y'all with me? I know it hurts. Okay, you can say, oh, me. But girls and women need face-to-face. My, uh, my wife, Lindsay, she'll go on these girls' night outs. So they do these girls' night outs. And they'll go out and they'll go... You know, she'll leave at like 5 p.m. I'll get home from work and <clears throat> start parenting my boys, and she'll go off with all of her girlfriends, and they'll go out, and they'll, they'll stay out late. I mean, she'll get in at 1 or 2 in the morning, so I'm kind of waking up out of bed. I hear her come in. I'm like, hey, babe, how did it, how did it go today? Oh, we had fun. We had fun. What did you do? Oh, we just went to a restaurant and talked. And I was like, oh, okay, what else? I mean, you're gone like six hours. <laughs> what else did you do? <laughs> then we went and had dessert and coffee and, and talked. And then what else did you do? And then we went over to our friend's house and talked. I'm thinking, this is the picture of hell for me. How do you do that? Like, what do you talk about? Oh, just talk about stuff. (laughs) For six hours? You know why? Because women need face-to-face. Face-to-face. 
when Lindsay and I were dating. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I lived in Welsh. Come on, got any Welsh people in the house? Yeah, I love Welsh. So uh, I lived in Welsh for a season of time. It wasn't the most pleasurable because I was in a barn with animals. So it wasn't good. Anyways, that's a long story. So, but I lived in Welsh. Lindsay lived in Lafayette. She was, she was on staff at our, our church there. And while we were dating, all young and in love, you know, she, she lived with a bunch of other girls. And, and it's funny because these other girls would tell me, you know, she would be tired at night and like, oh, I'm so tired. I you know, I need to go to bed. And she'd go lay in bed and, you know, be falling asleep. And, and, uh, and then the phone would ring. And it would be her Mexican muchacho. <laughs> and so the, the girls would tell me, I've never seen her get up so fast whenever you call. She would get up and then she'd run into the bathroom. Hey, baby. <laughs> so, and we'd talk for hours. And then we got married. And, of course, she's probably wondering... What happened to the guy that talked to me for hours? And I'm thinking, well, I got the catch. So, and that's what ends up happening in marriage. Us as men, I'm talking to us as men. We do something in the dating phase that gets them so linked into our heart because we're just sharing our heart. I don't even know what we talked about for hours. You know, at that point, you're just like, you're just cool if they're just like breathing on the phone. Oh, this is so nice. (laughs) So weird. Um, but for her, it, was, it wasn't just face-to-face, it was heart-to-heart. And that's what she longed for, and that filled her emotional tank. And then when we got married, I didn't do that as much. And realized, like, we were growing distant because I wasn't doing that. Because for guys, though, and you can fill this out, guys, our emotional tank is filled a little differently. We, we're not too big on face-to-face, maybe some of you guys are, but we're more of side-by-side. So, I, so for me, my emotional tank is not like, hey, let's sit down and go have coffee and dessert and talk for six hours. Like, that's not my, that's not my idea of like feeling, like that drains me, okay? My thing is like, let's go do something. So a couple, couple weekends ago, we had no children. And so, uh, and so I said, let's go ride bikes. And so we hadn't ridden bikes in like years. And I went and had to go get our bikes and all the tires were flat. I had to go air them all up. And uh, we went and rode bikes and, and rode six, five or six miles. I almost killed myself. But we rode and we rode and we rode. And it, we just had a blast. And I, I'm looking over her. She's riding on her bike. And I'm thinking, she's so sexy. She's so sexy. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then we're competing against each other. Who can ride faster and longer? And like for me, that... That fills my emotional tank. We just got back from Colorado late last night, and this whole week we were going and just doing stuff together. We went and hiked in the Rocky Mountains and having a snowball fights. And, like, for me, that fills my emotional tank. Let's just go do something. And for me, as a guy, any guys in here feel like that? Let's go do something. And that, you're never going to hear a guy like, hey, I'm going out with the guys. What are y'all doing? We're going to a restaurant and talking, and then we're going to go get some coffee. We're going to talk some more. Like, no, guys are like, we're going to go. Go paintballing and shoot each other. That's what we're going to go do. That's how, we, that's, how we, that's how our emotional tanks are filled. But I'm going to tell you this, and this is for us as men, guys. If you're always trying to touch your body without making an effort to touch your heart, you're not serving her. If you're always trying to touch your body without trying to touch your heart, you're not serving her. And we as men need to be men who serve. And every woman in here should have gave a big amen on that one. I just set you up. <laughs> now, let me share with you real quick, and let's, let's kind of go through these two things that will keep you disconnected emotionally. Two things that will keep you disconnected emotionally. Here's the first one, your career. 
Now, I know it's not on your notes, so you're just going to have to write this off on the side, but your career. Now, think about this. You, you and I, and, and probably many of you, you give 40 hours of your best time to your job. I mean, you're just getting it. You're getting after it. You're building a business. You're, you're serving. You're working. You're doing all that you do. And so you come home, and the last thing, especially probably for men in here, the last thing you want to do is, hey, let's talk. It's the last thing you want to do. And so after you work and 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 work, over days, over weeks, over months of you not talking, of you not filling each other's emotional tank, guess what? You grow distant. And you're literally like, how, who, who are you? I feel like we don't even talk anymore. I feel like we're not. Anybody seen that play out? Careers can definitely disconnect you. Here's another one. And this one's a hot topic. Your kids. Your kids can disconnect you. Now, listen, ladies, I, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she homeschools. We got Joel, who's got all the stuff that he's got. She's on the phone with so many different doctors all the time. She's homeschooling our kids. I mean, like I said, I mean, a lot of times when I call home, I'm calling home just to ask a, a quick question to Lindsay. And like, hey, just wanted to call you. And she's like, hey, babe, what's going on? Stop that. Hey, what's going on? Put that down. Hey, hey, babe, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, get off your brother right now. And so, that's the conversation. I'm like, I'm just trying to have a conversation with her. And half the time, she's trying to deal with three little Indians, okay? And that, because that's just how it is. It's how it is at our home. We got young kids, and it's just crazy, and they're three boys. But what I've noticed oftentimes is, is that if we're not careful, that we can elevate our kids over our spouse. We can love our kids and fall out of love with our spouse. It happens all the time. Uh, the, the, this week, I am. Uh, <clears throat> we're at a hotel two days ago, and uh, <laughs> Lindsay is in the bathroom getting dressed and everything. And I'm out. I'm in the hotel. I mean, we're just in one bedroom hotel with a bathroom. That's it. And so the boys are just going crazy. Joel's jumping on Judah. They're like spinning chairs around and like he hit me and get off of me and like all that's going on. And so like I just like I had had enough. I just went. I just went off. And I was like, stop it. Quit it. You there. You there. You sit there. Do not move. And I didn't find this out until yesterday. We're on the plane. We're driving back or flying back. And Lindsay said, I'm in the bathroom and I hear you do that. And she said, I could not stop laughing. (laughs) She said, he finally sees what I do every day. Because that's what it is. Our our house can be crazy. But I'm going to tell you this. And this is something that we, we all need to hear. If your children are the focal point of your marriage, your marriage is in for a bad place. If your children are the focal point. See, I've got to remember that I am Lindsay's husband first, and I'm Joel, Judah, and Josiah's dad second. And Lindsay is my wife first, and then she's Joel, Judah, and Josiah's mom second. And what ends up happening in marriage is we fall in love with the children and our spouse gets the leftovers. We give our kids all of the attention and then our, 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 our spouse gets a little bit that's left. You know, the Bible never tells you, listen to this. I thought this was really neat. The Bible never tells you parents love your children. Do you know that? You know what it says? 
Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. It never says parents love your kids. You know why? Because God knows you already do. He knows you love your kids. I mean, even when your kids are rebelling, doing all their own thing, how many know parents, you still love your kids. You love your kids no matter what. So God tells us something that he knows that we will forget, and that is husbands love your wives. And wives respect your husbands. Because too often we will love our kids and not love our, our spouse. I said this last year, but we have so many new people this year, I thought I'd just throw this out there again. Listen to me when I say this. A babysitter is a lot cheaper than an attorney. Go get you some of that. Tweet that one, okay? <laughs> Take your wife on a date. We don't have any money. Lock the kids in the room and just have a date in the house. I don't care. I don't care. Okay? Just take your wife out. Spend some face-to-face time. Oh, we don't have time. Yeah, you do. You have time for everything else that you love. You have time to go hunting. You have time to go golfing. You have time to go do what you want. You have time. You have time. Make your marriage the priority, not your kids. Y'all with me here? Amen. Thank you so much. So we need to... Be men and be women that pursue one another more than pursuing our kids. Let me share with you three types of relationships. You can fill in your blank here. Because if you're not careful, this is where you will go. Here's your first one, face-to-face. We start out this way in dating, in the beginning of marriage. And that is friends. You start out friends. Most of the time, our marriages begin because we were just good friends. We just started out in friends. We had intimate conversations. We talked all the time. We shared our heart. I mean, that's just how it was. We just became really close friends. Now, this is what happens. We get married, and over a course of a number of years, then we start having children. And when we have children, we go from friends to coworkers. Coworkers. We become shoulder to shoulder. So instead of face-to-face, we become shoulder-to-shoulder and become co-workers. And so now it's no, no longer really intimate face-to-face conversation. Now it's, hey, what's going on? Hey, you need to take them to practice. Hey, you need to take them to school. Hey, you need to pick them up from here. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to make sure this is done. And so literally our conversations that we're having with our spouse is literally just transactional. It's just like business-related. Hey, what do we got to do? Hey, what are we doing with the money? Hey, where's this going? You with me? And then if you're not careful, eventually you'll end up in the third type, which is roommates. And that's back to back. You maybe share the same house. You maybe even share the same bed. But that's the only thing that you share. Everything else is separate. You got separate checking accounts. You got separate lives. You got separate friends. You got separate. Everything else is separate. You're pretty much just roommates. And I'm going to tell you right now, every one of us, especially for those that are in here that are married, you're in one of these three. You're in one of them. God's desire is that you would continually move up the ladder to friends. Let's stay friends. Let's keep our spouse our best friend. So here's the practical application for how we do this emotionally. If you want to just write this down, I want to always give us some practical application points. And here's the first one. For men, this is, this is yours. For all the guys in here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come home sometime this week from work. And I want you to sit down with your wife. And I want you to share with her something that's gone on in your day that day. And tell her how you felt about it. Felt about it. Not just, hey, yeah, this went on. Yeah, we were pretty good. It was busy today. Where's my sandwich? Okay, like, (laughs) I want you to share, hey, this went on this week or this went on today. This is what happened. And, man, this is what it made me, man, I was mad. I mean, I was really excited. 
your, your wife wants to hear your heart, okay? So that's the, that's, the, that's the challenge for all the men. Come home and share your heart with your wife. Here's the second one. The second challenge is for all of our ladies in here. Go do something fun with your husband. Call your husband up one day and go, hey, I got somebody that's going to be watching the kids. We're going to go. We're going to go play some putt-putt. Or, hey, you want to go hunting? Or, hey, you want to go golfing? Like, say what? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, let's just go. Go do something fun together because they need some side by side time. Okay, let's talk about the next one. So emotionally, we're going to have fun. Here's the second one. I know you've been waiting for this one. Physically, we're going to have fun. How do we have fun physically? Now, let me just say this from the top, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be crude uh, and, or any of that, but God designed sex. Do you know that, right? Like God didn't make Adam and Eve and then like go, go have lunch and then come back and be like, oh my God, what is going on here? Or, oh, myself. I don't know. I don't think he says, oh, my God. <laughs> so, I don't know how he does that. <laughs> so, like, God designed the, the wife and the husband with the parts that they have and designed it and blessed it and said, go for it. And let me, let me just say this in, in regards to God designing sex and how he's done it. it if you want to have the best sex ever, for those that are married in here, you don't need a magazine from Walmart. You don't need a book and you definitely don't need Dr. Phil or Dr. Laura or anybody else. You just need to do it God's way because God's way works and God's way is the best way. Can I get an amen from some married people in here? God's way is the best way. Now, let me show you what God says in his Bible about this. Proverbs chapter five. I'm going to try to try to hurry up and run through this verse. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. And may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Some teenage boy just found his first memory verse. In Proverbs 5, 18, 19. Save that one. So I want you to notice. I want you to notice how he describes a woman. She is a graceful deer. She's a graceful deer. So there's two things that we can learn in this when we talk about this idea of physical intimacy. Here's the first one. This is for the men. Listen, men, you need to work on your approach. When it comes to physical intimacy, you got to work on your approach. Okay, I, well, listen, we're in southwest Louisiana. Everybody knows how to, how to hunt around here. All the guys in here know how to hunt. Most of you have either been duck hunting or deer hunting. So you, know, you understand the hunting game. Nobody that's hunting deer ever runs into the forest. Ah! Where are you, deer? Come on, deer. Like nobody does that. Right? Okay. You're, you're graceful. You're, 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 you're very calculated. I mean, everything is very, has, is strategic. Okay? So when it comes to physical intimacy and having fun, don't go, ah! Don't go, hey, come get you some. Like, don't do that. Like, that's, that's never worked. There's no wife that's been like, ooh, okay, let's go. I mean, that's just not. You know, and, and you know every man can make something sexual. You know, I mean, it's always how it is. Hey, babe, can you come stir this pot? Oh, I'll stir the pot. <laughs> you know that. Hey, babe, can you help me put the kids down? I'll put you down to bed. Okay, and so we can all do it. All right. So, men... 
Work on your approach. Be tender. Be gentle. Be soft. Be romantic. Ladies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm coming to you, too. Make an approach. (laughs) Men need to work on their approach. Ladies, you need to just make an approach. Any approach will do, I promise you. Just any approach. Doesn't even have to be anything special. Just, Just an approach. Just something. I mean, I'm telling you, anything that you have definitely looks better in silk than in flannel. I mean, like, you're wearing, like, a dry suit that, I mean, nothing can get through that thing. So just get something nicer, something more tasteful, a little more enchanting for the man. Like, you got married, and then all of a sudden, you put on, like, a jumpsuit. I mean, like, you went. Uh, some of you ladies are thinking, you know, we don't have time. We got little kids. There's no, how many got little kids? And I don't know how we're going to do it. We don't got, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a tip right here. Okay. You go put on, you go put on Diora, Dora, the Explorer. You run into the, your bedroom, lock the door and you go, you got 30 minutes. Go Diego, go. <laughs> and we all know the guy don't need 30 minutes. Okay. So. There's plenty of time for some face-to-face and some, some other stuff. Whew. I'm just trying to help you out. Just trying to help you out. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter. Let's just go to the Bible here, okay? Let's just keep on moving. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 through 5. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now watch this, watch this. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So you can give yourself more completely to prayer. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you should be giving yourself to your spouse. The only time that you both should not be giving yourself to each other is when you want to go have some time to pray. And Lindsay, uh, ladies, don't, don't be going to the prayer closet. I'm just praying, you know, <laughs> Jesus. Hey, baby, you want to, oh, I'm going to need to pray a little more. <laughs> Babe, you've been praying for three hours. Okay. Don't do that. Don't bring God into this. But literally that's what he's saying. The only time that you should be doing this and what this verse is really saying, honestly, though, you're a servant. She's a servant. You're both servants. You both serve each other. <laughs> Yesterday, we're driving back from, from Houston in the airport, and, uh, and Joel, <laughs> Joel is in a car seat, and his, his buckle like, won't come. It's, you know, when it like, locks and you can't get it? And so he's trying to get it, and he's getting all frustrated. And so I was like, Josiah, help him out. So Josiah, his older brother, is going over there, and he's like leaning over him. He's trying to help, and he's trying to pull it. And Joel's like, I'm not your servant. <laughs> I'm like, Joel. He's helping you. You're not even doing anything. I say that because some of us in here say that to our spouse. I'm not your servant. Well, according to this verse, you actually are. And it goes both ways. Wife is a servant to the husband. The husband is a servant to the wife. And let me just say this because I need to clear this. Listen, this by any means is not giving authority for men to be lording over a woman. Like, give me your body. 
Like this is, listen, that is not that, and that is actually not God in any way that a man would ever demand something of you. Sex is given, it's not taken, okay? So let me, I just want you to hear me on this because some men can take this and try to use this verse to manipulate a woman to give them what they want and not love their wife in return. So we need to do this the right way. We need to both be servants of this. So let me, let me share with you three things that will kill physical intimacy in your marriage. Three things that will kill physical intimacy in your marriage. Here's the first one. When you make your spouse earn sex, you're going to make them earn it. Meaning that if they didn't do what you wanted them to do, then you're not going to give it to them. And then if they do what you want to do, then they get, they get to have it. You know, this, this verse speaks specifically to that. You know, some of you wives in here may say, well, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I know. He probably doesn't. Which is actually probably the reason why you should do it. Because when he doesn't deserve it and you do give it, it actually shows you that you love him like Jesus loves you. Let me ask you this question. What if God only answered your prayers when you deserved it? How many know we wouldn't have a lot of answered prayers? God gives us things that we don't deserve. One of the greatest ways we reflect and show the love of Jesus is when we give the people that are closest to us things that they don't deserve. But if you want to kill physical intimacy in your marriage, try to make them earn it. It'll kill it. Promise you. Here's your second one. You only have sex when you both feel like it. You only have sex when you both feel like it. Remember, we said it's not about what you feel. It's about serving each other. What if she's had a headache for like seven years? Well, (laughs) you better pray and serve and love. You know the irony in all this? Here's the irony. Listen to me. When you think less about yourself and your happiness and more about somebody else and their happiness, God actually makes you happy. God actually fulfills you. I don't know how that, how does that work? I'm telling you, it's a biblical principle. If you will bless somebody else and love somebody else beyond what you feel, God will fulfill you and complete you. He who waters, he himself will be watered. And I promise you, as we do this in physical intimacy, I believe God that the desires will come. I believe they will. And here's the last one, and this is definitely a hot topic. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share it because I absolutely love you. And I think it's probably one of the number one things that can really destroy a marriage. And that's this. That you share your bed with your children or pets. If you want to kill physical intimacy in your marriage, share your bed with your kids or your pets. Listen to me. Now, this, I'm, I'm actually very serious here. If you want to show your husband that you don't care, put your kids in the middle of it. Because that's what you're doing. Because this is, this is honestly mainly for wives. Most men don't want the kid in the bed. This is mainly the wife in here. I'm telling you, you when you do that, you're showing your husband that I, I, I'd rather care about him than you. And that totally destroys the intimacy in your marriage. There is, n- there is no physical intimacy when there's a, a child in there. And I love, I mean, my wife, that was a determining thing that we set from the very beginning. Now, we, we, I'm not saying we've never had our kids in our bed when they've thrown up, they've been sick, crazy nightmares. I'm just too tired. Just get in the bed. We've had that. But as far as the kids staying in our bed, no, nah, it's not happening. 
They've been in cribs in our room. They've been on the floor in our room. But they ain't been in my bed. That's my bed. I bought you your bed in your room. And, and, I, and I know I'm kind of playing it off, but I'm telling you, this is very serious. And for some of you, like, you need to make some decisions from this day forward that that's going to change. And it may take a while. I mean, if your kid's been, like, in your bed since he's, like, 13, that might, might, might be some stuff. That's a little weird, but um, there might be some stuff there. And I know I've heard it all. I've heard ladies, you know, my husband's offshore, and when he's offshore, the kids are in my bed. And I understand all that. But when husband comes home from offshore, the kids go back to their bed. And this may take some work, and there may, may be a lot of tears and a lot of crying on your behalf and maybe on theirs. But I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to bless you. I know, I know you don't like me. That's okay. I'm fine with that. Here's, here's the practical application for this. <laughs> Men, you need to write this one down. Go home and have fun physically with your spouse. There you go. That's your homework. Some guys in here, I love this church. This is my favorite church ever. He just told me to go home and have sex with my wife. Yes, I did. <laughs> Pastor Joff said, go home and have fun with your wife. I foresee a lot of baby dedications in about 11 to 12 months from now. If you're single in here, listen to me. If, you're, if you are single or if you're living with someone, let me speak to that. Because not a lot of people want to speak to cohabitation. If... The Bible says, the very beginning of love, that love is patient. So if you have a spouse that's not willing to wait on you, then they're not loving you. They're not loving you. Love is patient. Meaning, I'm willing to wait to marry you. I'm willing to, to save myself for you. I'm willing to... I'm willing to make that sacrifice for you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, ladies, if you're dating a guy who serves himself sexually now, why do you think he's going to automatically change when you get married? He's not going to change. He's not. Sex is a blessing from God in marriage. It's a curse from God outside of marriage. And so if you're not doing it the right way, listen to me. You want to have the best sex ever? Do it God's way. Do it God's way. So get married, get it right, make it right. And I just did two things where everybody now doesn't like me. That's okay. Here's the last one. And we're going to wrap all this up spiritually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Hebrews three, one brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. You are holy partners in a heavenly calling. This verse tells us that God has, has designed the two of you to make a difference together. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will never experience fun until you serve together for something bigger than yourself. I absolutely love the fact that Lindsay and I get to serve as pastors here at this church together. We get to do it together. It's amazing. I absolutely love it. I would challenge all of you in here. If you want to have some fun, serve together. We have two services, attend one and serve one together. That's what we do. A lot of people do that. I would encourage you to get plugged in because I want to give you something that's so much bigger for your life than just you two. Do something together. Give your life away together to other people. Let me wrap all this up with Matthew 6, 21. And this verse, it's normally not said in relationship, a relationship series, but I feel like it's applicable to us in this moment. 
And this is what it says. For where your treasure is, there your what? What's that word? There your heart is also. Let me ask you this. What's your treasure? What's your treasure? Your treasure is your time. Your treasure is your talent. Your treasure is your possessions. Your treasure is, I mean, listen, that's, that's your treasure. Your treasure is where you put all of that. You, pr- you put all your priorities. It's wherever. And this is what it says. This verse says, wherever you put all that, guess what's going to follow it? Your what? Your heart. Your heart. And I think this applies to relationships. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, the grass is greener on the other side. You know what my response to that is? Well, maybe you just need to water your own grass. That's, that's, that's the truth. The only reason it's greener on that side is because they've probably been watering it. And if you want your grass to be greener, then maybe you just need to start watering. Hey, what, what would it be like if we took all of our time, all of our possessions, all of our money, all of our treasure, all of our, all of our talent, and we poured it into our marriage? Guess what would follow? Our heart. If your heart's not in your marriage, I can tell you why. Because your treasure's not in it. You put your treasure in it, your heart will follow. Let me leave you with this, and this is your last, last blank. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. I understand there's a lot of people in here that are walking through marital stuff. You're walking through problems and hardship. But I believe if you start doing what you once did, you'll start getting the results of what you once had. If you'll just go back to start doing those things, seeking God, fighting fair, having fun, putting God in the middle of everything. Listen, if you will make the choice, I'm going to choose today to choose life. I'm going to choose blessing. I'm not going to insult. I'm going to choose blessing. I'm going to choose life. If you make those choices, guess what's going to follow? Your feelings will follow. I promise you, your feelings will follow. Hey, I want us to bow our heads in this moment. If you can just be still, this is really the most important part of our, of our whole service here. And this is the response time. This is when we've got we've to do business with God. And I believe right now God is, God is speaking to you. And here's the question that we need to answer. What is the life-giving choice that I need to make today? Out of all the stuff that I've just heard, emotionally, physically, spiritually, what is the life-giving choice that I need to make today? Some of you, it may be that if, if you're living together, you might need to move out. If you're sleeping together, maybe you need to go back and repent and apologize. For those that are married in here, maybe you're walking through stuff, maybe, maybe you need to humble yourself and just acknowledge your shortcomings, acknowledge where you've blown it. Last week, we talked about this idea at the end of the service about humility. We need humility. But I'm going to tell you, if you will make the choice, the feelings will follow. Some of you today, we need to make some big choices. And the first choice, to be honest with you, more than anything, is the choice to just surrender everything to God. You can't serve somebody else until you serve God first. You can't love somebody else until you experience God's love first. I know in a, in a room this size, there's many of you that probably have, are living for yourself. And today God is calling you to take a step to lead in a choice of choosing life and not death. And so if that's you today and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, can you pray for me? 
I want to choose life today. I want to choose Jesus today. I want to surrender my heart and my will to him. And I need his help. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand all across this room? Nobody's looking around. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you. I see it. You can put your hand down. I want us just to all pray this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me when I least deserved it. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I repent and turn back to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. From this day forward, I commit to love God and to love people. Thank you for giving me another chance. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.